podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. De Bruyne, 1-0 City, for Niles! And Pogba leaves for McTominay! For Kane! Oh, what a finish! And Chibu Puki! Sell it to settle it! And Ruben Neves! William for Chelsea! And that could be the goal that seals the title for Liverpool at long last! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages... EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tiriwa Chanakira, and his guest, Dan Fitzpatrick. Greetings and salutations, good people, and welcome to episode one, the pilot episode of a tad predictable. We've made it. The EPL Index's Premier League prediction show, and I'm your host, Tadiwa Chanakira. And if you want to take part in all the fun this season, make sure to go onto our website at eplindex.com/predictions, where you can also make your predictions and try and see if you can beat me. <laughs> Good luck with that. I am one of the fresh voices on EPL Index this season, and with any good show, if you're busting out with a new voice. It's usually smart to get one of the most familiar voices of the EPL Index to join you. And I've done just that. Today, I'm going to be joined by an EPL Index regular. You've heard him for a few years now as one of the panelists on the EPL Roundtable, the flagship show of the EPL Index, Mr. Dan Fitzpatrick. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you today? Yeah, not too bad. Um doesn't feel like the Premier League's ended. Feels no, like no, just a, another short break. It's a, time is a flat circle at this point. Everything is happening all the time. Nothing has ever stopped. Yeah, um, weird times, but hopefully should be a good season ahead. Before we dive into things, we got to keep the lights on, pay the bills. So just to um, mention the fact that this show is presented by EPLindex.com. In association with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, and you can check out their services at libertyshield.com. Uh, there was a big announcement today for Premier League saying some games, especially for September, all the games are going to be shown live in some capacity in the UK, which is a huge thing. Um, I know in South Africa and, and countries like that, they, they show every single Premier League game. We don't necessarily have the privilege here. How's the TV situation that side for you guys? Uh, so it's changed. Uh, when NBC first acquired um, the rights to the Premier League, they showed every game for free. Um, I think a certain number were on TV or televised, but then you could also just go to uh, NBC.com and go on their stream and uh, their free streaming service at that point. Um, and then just watch whatever game you wanted. Um, now the situation is there will be a certain number of games televised each week, and you can pay for um, NBC Gold, which is their now paid streaming service, where you there is an option where you can watch all the games. It's not like uh, in the well, normally in the UK where the 3 p.m. games are just blacked out regardless. Um, you do have the option, but it is a paid option. So uh, the fact that it started free and became paid kind of sucks, but uh, ultimately I'm not. I'm not complaining a whole lot. I think it's pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm reasonably happy with it. And then, as an Arsenal fan, I get to watch most of my team's games because we're a bigger club, so they are more incentive to put them on. Um, but I still think they, sh- they do get a pretty good uh, number of, like, every team on TV. and On f- TV, not um, just on the streaming service. So, it's not bad. Nice. Yeah, as, as I mentioned, the UK... Um... It's about like 500 different providers offering it as well, which means you have to be subscribed to so many different things. But if you want to avoid that, if you want to get rid of all that hassle, I highly recommend it. just getting the VPN. Um, as I mentioned, Liberty Shield, number one. I'm, I may be biased in saying that, but I reckon they're the best in the business at the moment. Um, but yeah, Dan, this little something called the English Premier League arguably the biggest league in in world football and we've got an opening fixtures that are coming up this weekend how are you feeling about the season you know as a whole the international break that's just come and and where the season's going to be going 
Um, it's really weird because normally, you know, if the season it'll end in May and then you have like, you know, time to kind of stop thinking about football, turn off your brain for a bit. Then transfers start ramping up and you start to, you know, turn back on, see what's happening. And then the league starts. There really wasn't any of that time. It just stopped and then some transfers happened. And now it's starting again pretty quickly after. So it's a weird feeling. Um, I'm obviously happy to have it back because it's football is phenomenal to watch um there's a reason we all everyone goes as nuts over it as we do um though it is a weird feeling to have it come back as quickly as it did Uh, as far as the international break uh i get these games have to be played at some point but man the timing is really not great um the players had no time off uh injuries were already a concern um after the during the covid break or during the um post lockdown games uh i can't imagine they're i'm there hopefully they won't have the they won't have had a bunch of time off where they couldn't work out at all, but now they just had no time off to get any refresh on their legs. So I don't know when it'll happen, but I would expect, you know, some a serious amount of muscle injuries. Um, hopefully that's not the case, obviously, but I would I would assume that would be the case anyway. Putting international break immediately before the first weekend really did nothing but exacerbate the problem. Yeah, uh, I have to agree with you on that one especially with the Premier League doesn't really have a winter break or a, a substantial one. Um, I, I think this was an untimely position to put those international breaks. Um, I also think considering, you know, the pandemic that's going on, do you really want players traveling, you know, all around the world? Maybe not, especially if you're a, a Premier League fan, first and foremost. Uh, and then also I can imagine the clubs must have had some some sleepless nights. But they, I mean, you can see in France, like uh, Mbappe and a bunch of French players have been tested positive for COVID recently, correct? Yes. I know I, know I saw Mbappe did and then one other person um, that was connected with him. And I've, I think I've, I've seen a few others as well. Yeah, and, and I think Simicast for Liverpool has also tested a backup left back that we've recently signed. And this is something that's probably going to affect um, team lineups going into the season is if a player catches it, you know, they're they're not going to be available for uh, the best part of two weeks, maybe three weeks. Um, How do you think the the teams go about trying to deal with that? Or do they just have to carry on, put their heads down and hope that everyone is being responsible in the team? You can't really monitor them every single second of of the 24 hours yeah based on how it is it is going to be tough to monitor everyone all the time um i it is probably gonna have to be a, a situation where you hope your players are responsible you try and force you try and emphasize as much as possible look this is this is not only detrimental to our team, but this can be detrimental to you. I mean, you can cite lots of cases where people are having long term health concerns. And as athletes who your lungs are very important uh, in football, you really don't want to be damaging those. So, you know, try and try and emphasize that safety is the absolute priority um, and hope everyone is responsible enough to realize that and act accordingly. Um, but as far it absolutely could hurt teams um, during the season. Uh, in America over here, we have Major League Baseball is the one sport that is currently going on, but is not doing a bubble such as the NBA and MLS did. And they've had lots of problems. Uh, they've had uh, they've had a couple teams who have just had to miss out weeks um, to because they had a they had an outbreak and the team just had to shut down. Uh, luckily, in baseball, you can play two games in one day. Can't really do that with football. So, um, but of course, the situation is much better in Europe than it is over here in America. So you know, uh, swings and roundabouts. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they're able to keep it under control. Players are responsible. But then again, some of these are young young players that are, you know, earning a pretty penny and expecting every single one of them to be disciplined and, you know, stay responsible is, is a tall order in my opinion. So you hope for the best um, and, and, and we get to go through all 38 um, fixtures for each of the teams and 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 we we have a good season but you know speaking of fixtures this weekend first game week for the Premier League there are a few games that have been postponed um, but in terms of the ones that are available is there anyone that stands out to you? Uh, Everton Spurs seems to be the one that I'm most interested in. Um, I'm unaware of whether James will be available for 
Everton, but um, I think those are both teams that will be competing for around the top six area um, of the table. And they're pretty, I think they're pretty evenly matched. They could be pretty evenly matched. Um, both have a lot of talent. Both have high-profile managers. Um, Spur- Everton ended up only finishing 11th last season, but they were much they're be- definitely better on Aaron Schlotty, even if they were kind of not. Or they dropped off a bit in the post-lockdown period. But I think they have a legit shot at top six, as do Tottenham. Um, it could go down, go a long way to deciding, you know, where those teams finish in the table, and it just could be a good game between two evenly matched but also good sides. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm expecting a tactical battle in that one. Um, should be an exciting game, as you mentioned. Really good players in both teams, and and the recruitment has continued for both teams. I think in in a positive way. For me, I'll probably say Sheffield United and Wolves. These were the teams that were hovering in and around the European spots. Um, Sheffield United had a fantastic first season, and whether or not they can replicate that will be interesting to see. And then Wolves have also been one of those teams that came up, probably set the blueprint for Sheffield in terms of having a strong starting season and being able to capitalize that uh, you know, in, in the following season. Um, whether or not these two teams can continue to be a problem to some of the maybe more established teams higher up will be interesting for me. But the the season will start, you know, uh, first game being Fulham versus Arsenal, London derby to start it off. Fulham did well, you know, to come straight back up after having gone down last season Maybe they were a bit too ambitious in terms of the amount of signings they made, what they thought the team was going to do that season. They, they, especially you know, from coming from them, it it didn't seem like, or they didn't feel like they were going to go down or were in danger of going down. They were looking up the table rather than down or, or in and amongst any of the relegation battle. And then you look at Arsenal, who struggled maybe at the beginning of last season, led to a new coach coming in. Mikel Arteta comes in, and throughout the season, there have been good performances. You can see he has a plan, and you know they've come back, won the FA Cup, won the Community Shield, had some really strong games with some top six teams last season. How, how do you see this fixture panning out? Um, as far as the fixture in particular, um, Arsenal struggled with away. I mean, they, we Arsenal struggled with away games for about four years. Obviously, I don't know. How, we we still don't really know exactly how much um, the home and away difference will be is impacted um, because you know there's no fans. But uh, treating this as an away game, Arsenal have struggled with them for a very long time and continue to do so under uh, Unai Emery and then Mikel Arteta. Um, but they do also have more talent uh, than Fulham. Fulham came back up with a similar team to one they came up the first time with, but um, they played very differently. They were much more they were much more expansive under Johanovic. Uh, I don't remember exactly how you pronounce the former coach's name, but the former coach now uh, Scott Parker. They were much more. They kept a lot of possession the same, but they were much more defensive with it. They were not as attacking, um, which made them less exciting and less and made it so they had to win win their way up through the um promotion battle but um they may have a better better ability to stay up because i think it's much easier to stay up as both sheffield and wolves have proven now they went well and beyond but they've proven that a strong defense is probably more important staying up than a good attack um but I'm not sure that'll be able to save Fulham this game, uh, as much as I do think Arsenal tend to struggle with away games. And I'm not as positive on Arsenal season as a lot of fans are. I think their top four is out of reach, and hopefully they'll be able to get in the back of the top six. But even that's not a guarantee. Um, I do think they'll be able to start the season on a positive note here uh, and probably get three points. Yeah, and I'll stay with you with the... Are you going to go in with a hard scoreline or just a win for for Arsenal? Uh, I'll go 2-1 Arsenal. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, from my end, I think it's going to be 3-1 Arsenal. I just think the, the bounce of the Cups that they've won recently, coupled with the fact that Fulham haven't really... Um, I think they're going to be struggling a little bit this season. They've kept a lot of the team that they came up with, which is obviously 
credit to the players that um, they they did use to to come up with. I just think Arsenal this season need to go into it with the mentality of we're just going to outscore everyone regardless of what happens. And if they're able to embrace that and have a feeling they are going to lean on that a little bit more this season, then I can. there's no reason why Arsenal shouldn't be scoring bags of goals. And in this game, they're going to want to start the season well. They're going to want to eradicate that that um, away, away form that you've mentioned. And I, I can see a 3-1 Arsenal. One, I think Fulham are going to struggle with the patterns that Arsenal play with. And it's just going to prove to be too much for them, um, for me. The next game that we have is Crystal Palace Southampton. Um, this is another game that should be an interesting one. We've got Crystal Palace who, they didn't end the season well, I don't think. But I suppose once you're safe, maybe some of the players are already on the beach relaxing. But they they come into this one off the back of not a lot of good form. I think it's about six losses in a row. Does that factor into this this fixture or do you think it's just a clean slate, brand new season, also coupled with how well Southampton ended last season? Oh, I'd say for Palace, a big thing is they were safe going into the post-lockdown period because they pretty significantly overperformed on their metrics uh, in the pre-lockdown period. Like they just weren't, I don't remember where they started the um, post-lockdown period, but they were not as good a team as their points tally um, showed. I know they had 39 um, going into lockdown, so they're pretty much already safe. So um, you could you could interpret their poor results in the lockdown pe- in the post-lockdown period to they're already safe, they don't really care, they don't have anything to play for, or you could interpret it as, well, they were never really that good, and now that's just, you know, the performance is coming home to roost. Um we, we can't be sure which one it is, but I would more lean towards they were never that good in the first place. Um, so I would, I'd be, I'd fear a lot for Palace, um, especially going up against Southampton, who were kind of the opposite. They started very poorly, but after the nine nil embarrassment against Leicester, um, Hassan Hoofdel changed to uh, his four four two that he's used earlier in his career, and they were a very good team from then on out. They their underlying numbers put them, you know, from that period on around the like more closer to the Europa League spots than um, than what they were struggling with early in the season where they were in the relegation battle. Um, so I think Southampton really, I think they should win this pretty comfortable, even if Palace have improved their squad with the signing of most notably Eze this summer. Um, I don't think it'll be enough. And I think Southampton should win this one pretty comfortably. Um, I'll go 2-0 Southampton. Yeah, um, I think just the fact that it's Salas Park and maybe this is when we'll start to see how much not having a crowd may affect a team starting a season because Salas Park is traditionally known as a tough place to go to. The fans get, you know, they're right close up on the pitch. They get really into it. And I guess maybe I'm going to be leaning on that a little bit and, and say that the Crystal Palace players will continue that momentum of keeping you know, their home really tough to come to. I'm going to go with the 1-0 Southampton win uh, after all that praise that I've given Palace. <laughs> they won't uh, lose by too many. That's yeah. Not, that, that's <laughs> I, I just think I, I just think that Palace will struggle to keep a clean sheet in this game. We saw the firepower that Southampton were coming with last season. Um for example, if Ings can carry on going the way he, he was going last season, it will be tough order to keep him out. Palace had a few injuries at the back and, you know, I know that they're going to be struggling, you know, left back injuries. They've got center back injuries as well. It, it's just going to be a patchwork um, defensive system, I think, for them. And, and that's going to cause a leakage. <laughs> A tough leakage. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go 1-0 to Southampton for that one. And um, the next game that we have is West Ham versus Newcastle at the Olympic Stadium. Talking of stadiums that are, you know, have a big emphasis on them, this one may be more for size than the the attention that the that the, the fans bring to it. Uh, the fans are quite far away from the pitch being such a big stadium. Um, how do you see this game going? 
Um, this is between two teams that were more uh, relegation teams last year. Um, Newcastle were able to avoid it, but they were another team along with Palace that um, significantly overperformed um, what their metrics would indicate. And uh, I do think they've made significant improvements over the summer. Well, maybe not significant improvements. Improvements over the summer um, with the additions of Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser um, helps what was the worst attack in the league last season become hopefully not the worst in the ta- attack in the league. Um, they, I think both them and Palace were pretty clearly the worst um, in terms of uh, expected goals for. Uh, hopefully Wilson and Fraser, I, th- I think they can get them maybe out of the bottom spot, but I'm not sure it'll be enough to make them a truly good team. Whereas West Ham started the season very poorly. And even going in, or even after David Moyes had replaced um, Pellegrini, uh, they still weren't that good until the lockdown period. They kind of got, or after Moyes, I guess, had time to work with the team. Um, they kind of got their stuff together and looked legitimately solid, like a, as opposed to a relegation battle team, like a solid mid-table team, which, considering where West Ham were all season, is great for them. Um, Mikel Antonio was absolutely on fire um, in the post-lockdown period. We'll see if that form can carry through to this season. Uh, if it does, that's absolutely massive. West Ham having a real striker has been something they've struggled with for years and years and years. Um, so for Antonio to become that, I mean, it's it's invaluable to them. Um, and I do think they're the better team in Newcastle, and they should be able to win, though it's not going to be clear-cut because I think they're the better team, but not, you know, they're still not great. Um, so I'll go 2-1 West Ham. Yeah, I think the concern for me with Newcastle is just the amount of injuries they have. Looking at the injury list at the moment, you've got Matt Ritchie, who's doubtful, Paul Dummett, who's scheduled to come back in late September, Karen Clark, who's early October comeback, Maddie Longstaff, late September as well. You've got Matt Martin Dubrovka, mid-October, who I think is a massive loss for them. He He's played well since he got to Newcastle. Dwight Gale, early November. Fabian Shah, late September, and also late September for Jetro Willems, who got a big injury last season, and he seemed to have been really becoming a fan favorite. Um, if they can patch those holes uh, where a lot of those are starters that have come out the team, then that will be really good, and, and maybe they can hold on until they get a full complement of players back. But I don't know if the players that they've brought in who are good signings, you look at the, the Wilsons coming in, I, th- I think they're going to help the team a lot. But I don't know if they're going to have enough time to gel all these players together. Whereas West Ham looked more like a stable team that can carry on from last season with a bulk of the people that were finishing last season and finished it strong. You mentioned the likes of Ant- Antonio, whether they can continue their form. Um I think I think West Ham sneak this one. I'm going to go two one for for West Ham, um, and I'm going to throw a curveball in there. Um, who would be your shout for a man of the match for this game? Uh, I mean, goal scorers usually get man of the match, and I think if West Ham are going to score, um, then Antonio is probably a safe bet. So I feel like he's he's a decent shout for man of the match. I'll go Antonio. Yeah, I'm 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 leaning towards Antonio as well. I think. Most of the things that West Ham did good ended with with him putting the ball in the back of the net, especially the end of last season. So, guys, get your bets in. This is locked in. Dan Dan has guaranteed it. Um, <laughs> wow, I'm just having words put straight in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> if Antonio isn't man of the match, you know where to find Dan on Twitter. We'll do our plugs afterwards. <laughs> you can hound him. I'm I'm just following his lead here. You can't blame me for any of these these shouts, I don't think. Um, Which means I get all the credit if he is good. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll we'll see if if he's good. I think I think the fact that I gave the backing and 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 gave the assurances that this is the way to go. I think the 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 people will know that um, that the credit should be shared. Let, let's not be greedy, then. <laughs> but speaking of being greedy. Uh, last season, Liverpool were very greedy in terms of how many points they accumulated, how many wins they got. And another team that was equally greedy was Leeds. And they are coming up as champions of the championship. And they've got probably, 
on paper the toughest fixture going to Anfield um, against a team that rarely loses at home, if if ever loses at home. How do you think Leeds are going to fare at Anfield? Um, I mean, it'll be Leeds' their first game back in Premier League in more than a decade. Uh, there's a great story behind it. Marcelo Bielsa is a legend, but they're just a much inferior team. Um, Liverpool did, I don't know, they struggled at, in the post-lockdown period, but that may have been because they basically had already won the league and didn't didn't really have to care. Um, I know in their game, they lost against Arsenal last season. That was, they were, their two goals conceded were basically just because of, they, they appeared to be pretty much exclusively because of apathy. Um, so like, I'm not sure how much to take from that. I still think they're really, really good. And I mean, Leeds, they won the championship, but the championship is obviously, it goes without saying a whole nother animal in the Premier League. Um, Liverpool are one of the best teams in the world and they should beat Leeds pretty comfortably. Um, I think if I'm going to get a score prediction, I'll probably go, uh, 3-1 Liverpool. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting game, obviously, you know, defending champions, you want to defend your crown or as Klopp put it, you want to go and win another one. Not really, def- you know, there's nothing to defend. We want to go win more trophies. So we'll see how Liverpool come into it. Um, interestingly, in preseason, they seem to struggle a little bit and, and then picked it up again towards the end of it. I think that it's going to be an interesting game as well, considering that this is a whole new season without the Anfield crowd or necessarily the bulk of the Anfield crowd as, as, as things are looking if teams are able to bring in a portion or a fraction of the fans. And I think that Anfield gives, you know, the, the fans being there and, and we've seen the magical European nights for Liverpool, but also in the Premier League, Klopp has been able to cultivate a culture inside the stadium where if a player misses the ball, instead of groaning like, you know, when when Klopp first came in, a lot of the crowd is okay with it and and cheer the player to go and try it again. Without that backing, do you reckon they're going to be as much of a force, or you don't think that plays too much of a factor? Um, I I think it plays a factor, but not not one that would take them from unbelievable team to no longer title contender, like. I, I still think they're going to be very, very good. Um, maybe they don't win the league this year, but I would be very surprised if they accumulated fewer than like 80 points. Um, so it, it may play a factor, but I'm not sure it'll be like so significant to knock them off from being one of the best teams in the world. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be interesting and, and we'll keep an eye on that one. For me in this specific game, I think the patterns that Liverpool play with is not necessarily something Leeds would have been coming up against too often in the championship. And that might be their undoing. Obviously, Bielsa, as you mentioned, is a legend and he's one of the academics of the football world. And and he would have definitely drilled his team to make sure that they're ready for this fixture. I don't know if it helps the, the, you know, the amount of players that go out on international break, whether Leeds had too many going out on international break and that would have allowed them to really train for a full, you know, two weeks or so to really get ready for this game, opposed to Liverpool, who had quite a few players going all around the world. But I saw, you know, the the Liverpool front three stayed. Uh, they, they didn't go to their respective international teams. And... I I think I just think that's going to be the key factor. That front three, the movement, it's just going to be too much for Leeds. Um, I've got it at a two-one prediction, and sorry, a three a three-one prediction, a three-one prediction. I I gave Leeds an extra extra goal there, so three-one to Liverpool. I think we both agree on that scoreline, and that's another one that you can take to the bank. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> I am the prediction god, apparently. <laughs> well, we could make it three in a row with your West, uh, West Brom versus Leicester banker. Uh, I, I, I do know, you know, if, if you can get three scoreline predictions in a row right, that would be a pretty penny if you if you go to the, the, to the betting sites, I'm sure. Um, West Brom coming back to the Premier League against a Leicester team that were really strong at the beginning of the season 
but tailed off, um, you know, not considering how they emphatically beat Southampton early on in the season and how close they were and at one point when second place looking to challenge Liverpool. One, were you disappointed in how they ended the season? And two, how do you think they go into this specific game away from home, not necessarily having ended the season as well as they would have liked against a team that is not necessarily going to be I, I personally think they might be struggling this season, but they're going to definitely have that, you know, bounce of having come up to the league and, and excited to test themselves against some of the best teams in, in the country. Uh, yeah, I'm, I've ultimately, I was disappointed in the way Leicester finished this season, um, though I don't think they're ever true title contenders. I don't, I don't think they're ever on Liverpool's level in terms of performance levels. Um, at least some of, their collapse and you have to call it a collapse um at the end of last season was in part or was due to injuries and they had a lot of them they lost a lot of key players such as ricardo Pereira, james madison uh and ben chilwell but none of those guys are coming back at least not yet um chilwell is obviously not coming back ever because he went left left for chelsea um but madison is still a doubt and Pereira is expected to miss this game um as well as uh, center-back Johnny Evans, who is both hurt and suspended, because, you know, why be out one way when you can be out two? <laughs> um, I, that said, I still think they're a good team, and I, I too think Les Brown will struggle this season. Uh, a lot of their transfer business so far has been to kind of retain um, what they had last season. Uh, they had both um, Grady Dianga from uh, West Ham. Uh, he was on loan at West Brom last season. They got him in permanently. Uh, the same with Matthias Pereira. Um, they've also brought him in permanently. They haven't really added anything from the squad they had last season, just kind of kept what they had. Um, so I, I too think they'll struggle. And while Leicester are still really reeling with injuries, I think they'll have enough to get three points here. Um, so I guess I'll go 2 1 Leicester. Yeah, for, for me, I think West Brom are definitely going to find it difficult coming back into the Premier League. Them coupled with Fulham, if Fulham don't reinforce their attack, probably the two teams I'd say are in danger as things stand of going down or at least I believe they are both the uh, tied for betting favorites to go down, so you decent decent shout. <laughs> you see, you see. Um yeah. Thanks, thanks, thanks for that. Um, definitely shows that we know what we're talking about here with our predictions. So take them to the bank once again, assuring uh, that Dan's predictions are spot on, and you can't go wrong with them. You've gone two-one to Leicester. I'm going to go two-nil to Leicester. I'm not sure if West Brom have a goal in them in this game. I do think that Leicester are going to regroup uh, this break as short as it was probably is the best thing that they could have asked for just to reset everything. As you said, they do have a lot of injuries and losing your your left back. Uh, they've, they've, they've got some cover that you're hoping is able to grow and, and maybe take that role on and, and become the next venture well in, in the young players that they have coming up. Um, you've got the threat of Vardy up top. I think he's just going to be too much to handle for those West Brom defenders. So I'm not only predicting 2-0, I'm saying 2-0 through Jamie Vardy goals. And the next game that will be coming up is the one that you highlighted as game of the weekend. It's Tottenham versus Everton. Could you wax more lyrical about why you you chose that one as your highlight of the weekend? Well, I mean, uh, games between teams that are both, I think, pretty evenly matched, or at least Obviously, we can only know so much because these are two teams um, with uh, Everton have had significant turnover um, and Spurs have had some turnover. So we can never be sure how they're going to finish, but I am expecting them to be pretty similar um, places in the table, so pretty similar quality. Um, and they're both more they're They should be interesting and I hope they're fun to watch. Obviously, you never know of Mourinho team, but Ancelotti tends to be pretty attacking. Um, so. As far as the game itself, again, I'm not sure if Hamas is available. That would be a huge boost for Everton. But even without him, um, they have some solid attacking players in Richarlison, uh, Alex Wobie, 
They brought in Allen from Napoli to shore up the midfield. Um, so uh, he is bo- both Hamez and Allen are both transfers where I don't know how they are as transfers because they're both on the older side. I assume they're paying them significant wages. So as transfers, I think they have pretty significant downside. But as far as players for this season, they're both still good. Like they still have it. They may, they may not have it in a year or two, but right now they have it. They're really good. Um, so that should boost everyone's quality and give them a decent shot at top six um, if everything comes together the way they hope it will. Spurs had an interesting end to the season. They were not, they weren't great, but Harry Kane looked like something resembling um, 16, 17 Harry Kane first time in a while, um, which coincided with him having his first long break to actually recover from an injury and not rush back for the first time in a while. Could be a coincidence, could not be a coincidence. Um, we'll see. But if he is anything like prime Harry Kane again, that's a massive boost for Tottenham, both in this game and going into the future. Um, as far as a prediction, um, these teams do tend to draw. Um, I, know, I know picking a draw is never never optimal, um, but I think I, I'll go against that and pick one anyway. I'll go 1-1 one, one draw. Brave, brave call. Um, yeah, for, for me, I think you look at this Tottenham team and you've got the all or nothing documentary that's going on at the moment, which has been really intriguing to watch. And you saw the amount of injuries that they had towards the tail end of last season. They're coming into this season with no injuries at the moment, you know, touch wood for them. So that would be a pleasant surprise for them. As you said, bags of talent. I think they've got some interesting players who don't necessarily have consistency, but could light up any one game. You look at the likes of Deli Ali, um, Bergwijn, Lucas Moura. These are all players that are capable of having play of the match performances, but also capable of just disappearing completely. So it's uh, it might be a flip of the coin of whether they do show up from that perspective. But what I'm expecting from this game um, and, and what it will show for the rest of the seasons, I think they they got to get back to what Mourinho is known for in terms of being really hard to beat, being, you know, proud of keeping a clean sheet and then getting the goals, you know, um, at the other end. And when you've got Harry Kane, as you said, arrested Harry Kane, um, looking to, to once again go for the golden boot, which is something that I'm sure Kane goes for every single season, then I, I think they're going to be a formidable foe. Um, Everton, you've mentioned they've made some good signings. I like the signings that they've made. Um, it's shown a, a bit of ambition. Whether or not they've addressed all the key factors, I'm not sure. Maybe a, a centre-back coming in would really solidify the work that they've done and then hoping that their strikers can hit the ground running. But I think they're going to come unstuck in this game, especially going forward. Um, it might be a little disjointed with the new guys coming in, and I'm going to predict a one nil for a one nil Spurs Spurs win. Um, I won't predict the score in this one, but do you have a person that you think is nailed on to get a yellow card in this game? Ooh, that's a tougher one. Um, nailed on to get a yellow. Uh, hmm. I guess I'll go. I'll go Toby Alderweireld, um, just because uh, if Tottenham do intend to sit back, um, there's more chance. It's more chance for them to commit more fouls and get yellows through accumulation. Um, and he is a bit old; he's aging a bit, so more chance for him to lose or to, you know, think you can get to a spot and then not get to that spot and then have to, you know, commit a foul and get a yellow card for it. Yeah, that's a decent shot. Um, we'll definitely hold you to that one. Um, I'll go with an Everton player uh, just to even it out and, and see who can get it. I think that um, I think Sonny's going to gonna have a good game. I reckon he's going to be on the left-hand side. Coleman's going to be chasing him and Coleman is getting you know, a bit older as, as, as the years pile on for him. I think he's going to be guaranteed to get a yellow card. You can book that one. Don't even worry about any other prediction. It's going to happen. Um, sorry to all the Coleman fans out there, um, but yeah, he he's nailed on to get a yellow card in this game. Um, are you confident in your Alderweireld over the the Coleman shot? Uh, 
it's hard to be like extremely confident in a yellow card bet. Um, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like overly confident though. I'm, I am wary to offend the coal stands, um, whoever they may be. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think Coleman's actually a pretty good shout for a yellow card. So, uh, and I, I could go with that. Nice. Thanks. Welcome, welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. We can, we can split the abuse together <laughs> that we'll be getting from the Coleman's Woo! bet stands. Um, and then the next game that's coming up is a Monday game. So that, that should be cool. And I like the fact that they have spread out the games for the opening weekend. It's, it really grates my cheese when all the games are piled up and you don't get a chance, at least in the opening weekend, to get a, get a look at as many teams as you can and, and see how teams are shaping up. Obviously, with the caveat that the transfer window is still open and there are teams that are looking to do a lot of business later on in the window. Um, this game is Brighton versus Chelsea. Uh, it's going to be at Brighton. You look at teams, you know, we've mentioned teams are still to do transfers. Well, there's certainly one team that is doing transfers and blowing everyone out the water. If there's a transfer window league, are Chelsea winning that league for you? Oh, they kind of have to be. If everyone's who are actually spending a lot of money <laughs> and they're signing, and they're signing really good players. Like, I mean, you know, you never know with the transition from other leagues to Premier League. But I am quite confident in all of uh, definitely Timo Werner and um, uh, Kai Havertz. Uh, Zayich coming from Eredivisie, you always have to be a bit careful. But he also was phenomenal in the Champions League, so I'm not exactly expecting him to flop either. Um, so yeah, if if you are into the whole, you know, winning the transfer and stuff, Chelsea have probably done it to this point. Obviously, things could still change. Um, and they they were already a pretty good team last year. I think they got quite unlucky with. Um, I think it was goals conceded. They just conceded more than you would expect based on the shots they were giving up. Um, I th- they were pretty clearly the third best team in terms of metrics last season. Obviously, that did not translate all the way to results um, as they ended up finishing fourth. But I, I'm i a pretty big Chelsea believer for them this season. I'm expecting them to finish third. Uh, obviously, it could be could be tough to manage the squad with all the new players coming in and still having to keep the egos happy from last season. But ultimately, I go with talent, and they have a lot of it. Um, so they should be good both this season and in this game. Brighton are lacking a bit of talent. They really haven't done much this summer. Um, I think their biggest signing is Adam Alana on a free um and he's 32 so quite frankly he might not be good um there's a decent chance he's not at this point um so i'm expecting chelsea to win pretty comfortably uh i'll go 3-1 again uh yeah 3-1 i'm just gonna warn you uh, as as an, an admitted liverpool fan that the Lalana stands a lot more vicious than the Coleman one, so I have you might, liked you might want to watch for a long time actually <laughs> but he's just old sorry age, age beats everyone all the time is in all that you've unleashed some he has sort great of... hair he has phenomenal hair that he does that he does um yeah for for me i think chelsea are gonna blow brighton out the water as you men- as you mentioned the bags of signings coming in the attacking signings they've made uh you have to be as any any fan of football in general you have to be either jealous or excited for chelsea if if you want to put it that way about their signings uh Timo Werner being so close to coming to Liverpool I'm definitely jealous of that one Kai Havertz one of my favorite players in football or should I say was one of my favorite players in football but he's joined Chelsea now um yeah they they're going to be interesting to watch and whether or not Frank can get them all to gel together I don't think it's going to be a worry in this game maybe later on down the season I think this one when teams are not really that fit and trying to get their, their tactics and fitness up, talent usually sees you through these games. So I think Chelsea going to win this one. I'm going to go 2-0 Chelsea. Um, your your scoreline, could you repeat your scoreline for me? 3-1 Chelsea. 3-1 Chelsea. Okay, so a lot, a lot bolder than me. And who gets the second goal for Chelsea? Ooh, second goal. That's harder. Um, <laughs> I mean, it depends on uh, they have so many injuries to deal with and i'm not entirely sure where everyone is in terms of like integrating into the team it's harder to pick with chelsea um i mean a lot of me 
I still love Olivier Giroud. I really shouldn't because he's at Chelsea, but I still have a soft spot for him. Um, but I'm not sure I can give him a second goal. Third seems more likely since he would likely be coming off the bench. Um, I guess I'll go Timo Werner, but I, I I don't even know if he's playing. I think he, I know he's not hurt, but I don't know. Again, I don't know where he is with the integration, but I know he's been he's been with Chelsea for a while, so I am expecting. I would assume he is fit to play. Um, so I'll go with Timo. Yeah, I think that I think that's a decent shout. Um, he should be up and running. I know he's had some training sessions. Because uh, so no, I know he, I missed out on Leipzig. Wow, well, Leipzig, Leipzig's um, Champions League campaign to be with Chelsea. So I'm assuming he's integrated. Yeah, yeah. And for me, seeming as I, I've gone with a two-nil uh, Chelsea win, so we both at least getting two goals from Chelsea. My Chelsea winner, I think, is going to come from. Hmm. I'm gonna go with Giroud just to spite you. I'm gonna say Giroud gets the second winner. <laughs> wow! Wow! I know. He 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 is lovable. You 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 can't deny that. As, as yeah, much as yeah, it might is. pain you, him crossing crossing the bridge, so to speak. Mm. Um, and then our last game of this game week is Sheffield United versus Wolves, the game that I picked as my standout game of the weekend. How do you think these two teams are going to fare against each other? How are they going to match up? I also looked at this for most interesting game. The thing is, they're both good, but both Sheffield and Wolves are very defensive. So I'm not sure it'll be particularly easy on the eye. Um, Like both their strengths are their defenses. Um, I think Sheffield, I'm not even sure they hit 40 goals last season. I cannot remember for sure. Um, But I know they were very much, yeah, they finished with 39 goals. Um, I, they were very much defensively focused, as were Wolves. Um, so they, they could be like close in quality. Uh, Sheffield, a big loss for them, actually, is they did lose their goalkeeper, Dean Henderson. Um, Manchester United saw how good he was and decided they wanted to keep him. Um, they replaced him by bringing in the keeper from Bournemouth, uh, Ramsdale, who uh, I didn't see great things out of him from Bournemouth, but even if he is like, good it's kind of hard to match what henderson did last season he was phenomenal um so they could i think they could see some amount of drop off uh from that um that said they're a solid team and i expect them to be very cleanly safe it's just a matter of whether they're more mid-table or more pushing for the europe league spots um but today like i'm, I'm kind of i'm trying to sugarcoat it i kind of think this is gonna be a boring one um uh, I want to pick nil nil, but I don't think that's a smart prediction. Um, so I'll go one nil Wolves. Okay, yeah. Um, I'll go right off the bat with my prediction, which uh, it's going to be my first draw of the season, <laughs> according to my predictions. And this is going to be a one one draw. I I can see both sides scoring, but it being a close game, tactical game. As you mentioned, both teams are going to be really tough to beat, and I think goals are they're going to be really stingy in terms of giving goals to other players i mean other teams um but i do see goal scorers in terms of the wolves goal i'm going to go with um jimenez who has been one of my favorite players purely because when wolves came up i threw him into my fantasy team and he basically led me to a fantasy title so i I can't not turn my back on him now jimenez will will score and and to end one one. It's always a fantasy, guys. Become the cult, the favorites of the non of the non supporters. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. He's he's a cult hero in my household now. Um, I, I love to watch him play. Uh, yeah, whether or not he's in my fantasy team, I will plead the fifth, fifth on that one. Um, and then we we could just move straight on from that one. Um, in terms of the postponed games, um. There's not really much we can surmise from those apart from waiting for when they will come up. Do you think it's an advantage or disadvantage or anything to that effect for for those teams not playing? Um, I think it'll probably even out. I don't, I don't think it's a significant uh, advantage or disadvantage one way or the other. Uh, obviously, you get more rest uh, from if you had players in the international breaks, the international breaks, but eventually that rest will be counteracted by having you know whatever it'll whatever it'll end up being. Um, two games in a week or whatever. Um, so I don't think it's a huge advantage one way or the other. Um, yeah, that, that's that's what I got. Don't think it's a huge thing. 
yeah, for me, I, I don't think it matters at this point of the season. Um, I think, especially looking at the bigger teams from that that side of the the fixtures, the Man Cities, etc. You look at Man City's squad and the depth they have. I don't know if they, you know, I don't know if it affects them too much whether a fixture list is congested or not. Um, but yeah, hopefully, maybe psychologically for the teams that are playing. They could get a one up on on the teams, and automatically it gives that mentality of now now they're having to chase us, and whether that becomes a factor later on would be interesting to see. But I think that's a good place to stop, and and that's going to do it for this episode of a tad predictable. Um, you know, it's a quick turnaround for the Premier League coming back. Dan, do you have anything you want to plug, promote, put over before we wrap up the show today? Not a whole lot to plug. Just follow me on Twitter at the underscore Jersey underscore fits to abuse me for my bad predictions. <laughs> yeah, definitely at him. Um, you can send the praise to me at Tad Predictable on, on the Twitters. Uh, from my end, um, I would say go ahead and check out all the content that's on the EPL Index website. We have match previews, match reviews, player performances, also all the news that you could um, wish for that includes transfer news player news um, all the happenings in the Premier League of course there's the daily podcast show the two-footed podcast with Dave Hendrick hosting a solo show is very impressive and not easy to do so have a listen to that he this week he's been breaking down and will continue to break down all the EPL teams what can be expected, what should be expected from them this season, whereabouts they'll be finishing and just assessing their transfers to date. Um, finally, also check out our flagship show, which Dan is is a regular on. Um, that's the EPL Roundtable, where Kev DeVries sits down with uh, panelists from respective EPL teams, reviewing and previewing the happenings around the EPL. Are you going to be on that one this week? Uh, we're not sure. You usually figure out who's on um, based on what happens uh, throughout the weekend. Okay. Um, and then in terms of um, EPL Index, you can follow EPL Index on Twitter at EPL Index. Please subscribe to the EPL Index podcast channel um, with your podcast provider. Give it five stars. Write some positive comments. Complain about Dan's predictions. Complain um, about me. Just give us five stars. Just give us five stars before you do the complaint about Dan's predictions. Um, all that good stuff really helps us and gets us um, out there. But um, that's going to do it. I've been Tadio Chanakira. You can find me on Twitter at Tad Predictable. Our producer behind the glass, Guy Drinkle. Simply Guy Drinkle on Twitter. He's been Dan Fitzpatrick at the underscore jersey underscore fits and remember chisinga peri chinoshura to bruyne ah one mil city for else and pogba leaves for mctominay oh what a finish and chimo puki salah to settle it and ruben neves william for chelsea and that could be the goal that seals the title for liverpool Podcast Network.